Yeah, after that, he's preaching. Get back up here. <laughs> we'll see how good he does with that. All right, get your Bibles out if you would, please. Uh, welcome, everybody. I know there's a lot moving, a lot of pieces. I love this time of year. It's fall, and we actually have some fall weather here in Texas, and so excited for next week. Falltober, this is our third annual Falltober, and yeah, we'll have almost 2,000 people here on the property next Sunday, which is really what we're talking about here um, in this little mini-series that we're doing that we call Legacy. This is, this is something that we do every time this, this year um, in order to really highlight what I think all of us are called to do, and that is to make a difference. Because when you think about it, the goal in life is not to live forever. Come on, turn to the person beside you and poke them, make sure they're awake, and tell them the goal in life is not for you to live forever. Come on, go ahead and turn to your neighbor, say that. The goal in life is not to live forever, but to leave something that does. Tell your neighbor that, but to leave something that does, all right? To actually leave a legacy. And so in December, we do a thing around here, it's just kind of our tradition, where we take a special offering that we call our legacy offering, and this year's offering is December 9th. And the reason why I'm telling you now about it is because I don't ever want to make you feel like you're being forced or that they're under some sort of compulsion to do something where you're pressured to do something. It's seven weeks out, and, and so I want you to take the next seven weeks to think about it, to pray about it, to talk about it as a family. If you're married, to talk about it as a couple, and maybe start setting money aside for this, because we do this, we take this one special offering in the middle of our Christmas season that's all about legacy, where we can take one giant step forward as a church and do some really pretty incredible things to bless our community. Last year, if you were part of this, it was absolutely amazing just to see the outpouring of giving that took place as we gave to that um, legacy offering. But really what excited me more, and I shared this last week, was then what we were able to do as a result of everybody's giving towards this. I mentioned last week that one of the things we wanted to do was, was to bless the teachers and staff at the West Cypress Elementary School. And so we went over and surprised them and gave everyone $150 in cash just to say thank you and just to bless their socks off and to appreciate them for all that they do. We also, if you were here in the spring, we did this amazing little makeover, extreme makeover up at the Little Country Diner, which was so much fun, like a modern-day barn raising is what it was, because there's hundreds of people that just flocked up to that little diner and just blessed them and spent um, all day Sunday, and a lot of people came back on Monday to completely do an inside and outside makeover and just to bless the owners of that. Um, through that offering, we also bought a bus and a van for the youth ministry to help move them around to all the places that they're going. We also purchased the coffee trailer, which will be opening up in a couple of weeks, just to bless our community. Um, there's no coffee around here, so we just want to bless our community and, and uh, meet a felt need, and so that will be open up all during the week in a couple weeks. And, and we also were able to put money towards one of the visions that we have at One Chapel is to plant churches throughout the Austin area, and so we are working hard at that. And um, in 2019, we're looking to plant at least one more. And so this year's legacy, as you're thinking and praying about that, we're going to continue towards that. We're going to continue to sow money into church planting around our area, as well doing things in our community, be a, being a blessing to our community here in the Spicewood, Bee Cave, Lake, Lake Travis area. And, and like I mentioned last week, I want you to be thinking and praying about that and dreaming what can we do together? And I appreciate already last week's emails. Obviously, people in um, 
dealing with the flood stuff is on most of our hearts. And, and so thinking about what can we do, how can we bless, how can we meet needs of, of those um, that are being victimized by the floods, but other things. And so I just want you to watch the community and see what's going on, see how we can be a blessing towards that. And so again, this year's offering is December 9th, and so talk about it, pray about it, think about it, uh, maybe even start putting money aside for that. This really is one of my favorite things that we do as a church, because the reason why we exist, and I believe this wholeheartedly, and one of the things I am passionate about, is that we are here as a church to make a difference. Not just in the people's lives who happen to come in to our church, but to make a difference in our community, to be a blessing. I really believe in Proverbs 11, verse 11, which says, through the blessing of the upright, a city is exalted. It is our God-given responsibility to bless the communities in which we live. And when you stop and think about it, this is not just something that we do as a church, but something that God's called every, every one of us individually to do as well, that there is significance to your life. You're, you are called to make a difference. And I just think there's something inside of every one of us that get it, that there's something inside of us that we want to live our, our lives differently, and we want to leave a legacy that out outlasts even our own our own personal lives. And so let me give you a definition for legacy. I talked about this last week. But legacy is something that, such as your tradition or a problem that exists as a result of something that happened in the past. It's something or someone has achieved that continues to exist after they stop working or die. And so the reality is you will leave a legacy. It's going to happen. The question is, what is your legacy going to be? What legacy are you going to live? One way or another, you're going to live, leave a legacy. And so when these bodies of ours give out, how will you be remembered? Look at this in Psalms 112, verse 5 and 6. It says, Good will come to him who is generous and lends freely, who conducts his affairs with justice. Surely he will never be shaken a righteous man will be remembered forever. I think these are great verses that describe what legacy is all about. Good will come to him who is generous and lends freely, who conducts his affairs with justice. Surely he will never be shaken. A righteous man will be remembered forever. Again, on your chairs are these little acts of kindness cards. I mentioned this last week that I want to encourage you, use these during the season, especially during the season, and just to do random acts of kindness to people around you, whether it's paying for somebody behind you in line, paying for somebody's bill at a restaurant or the dessert, um, making baked goods and or mm, buying a pumpkin here before you leave and taking it over to your neighbors, uh, just sending a word of encouragement or bringing you know, donuts or fruit to the school that your kids go to, just thinking outside of yourself and how can you be a blessing to the people then around you. And I think this is really important for us to intentionally give our lives away and do this intentionally so that we're just not consuming everything on us. I think that it's so easy because when you think about it, you're either going to be a giver or you're going to be a taker. There are only two types of people in this world. There are givers or there's takers. And so to intentionally kind of step into being a giver, and I just think this is really important, especially in this time of year, because I don't know if you know this, more people commit suicide between Thanksgiving and Christmas than any other time during the year combined. 
And so this type of time of year is so instrumental. And so your act of kindness may be the very thing that they need to know that God sees them and that God loves them. And to break that depression that's hovering over but tends to be just a lot of different people at this time of year. Now this morning, I want to talk to you about something that I think is a kind of a bedrock message for our church because I think so many people tend to follow God wrong. Now, maybe with good intentions, but I think a lot of people tend to follow God wrong. So many people tend to follow God out of obligation and duty. So many people tend to follow God out of this have to instead of I get to. I think so many people, um, they don't enjoy prayer. They just know that they're supposed to pray. Okay, I know I have to pray. So many people don't enjoy reading their Bible. They just know that they're supposed to read their Bible. And so I think what this creates is this a whole generation of religious people, people who are following God out of the sense of obligation, the sense of duty, but really are not enjoying the journey. And I personally believe that this is not God's best for us. Now, I'm not saying there's not a place for, for obedience and for discipline. There obviously is a place for obedience and discipline in our walk with the Lord. But please listen, everybody. God wants you to enjoy this journey. He actually wants you to enjoy this journey with him. And serving God should be a delight and not a duty. Praying, reading your Bible, going to church shouldn't be something that you endure, but something that you actually enjoy. Can I hear an amen with that? Amen. That's how God created us. Look at this in, in Philippians chapter 2, verse 13. Look at how God does this. He says, For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. In other words, God actually works inside of us to change our want to. Do you see that? He actually works inside of us to change our want to. So sure, you might, when you first come to Jesus, you're thinking, really, I'm supposed to read my Bible? But what happens is the more you let God work, you know, all of a sudden this comes alive to you. It's life to you. That you can't get enough of this because it's his words spoken to you. Prayer is not this, oh, I got to pray. It's that you can hardly wait to have these conversations with God. Because why? He works inside of us. He begins to change our want-tos and our desires. The, the New Living Train Translation says it this way. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. And so this morning, I want to talk to you about how to do this. So I, want to, I want to kind of lead you towards this, because I want to show you really the, the joy and the thrill of following God and leaving a, a life that's all about legacy. And so look at this in your Old Testament, 1 Chronicles chapter 29, verse 3. This is an interesting backstory of this, because historians describe this is when David is getting ready to build the tabernacle of God. Up to this point, they were kind of a set-up-and-tear-down type church. They had tents, and they would kind of set up and tear down. Like David says, no, I believe we need to build an actual brick-and-mortar tabernacle for God. And so there is this nationwide offering. Historians describe this event as the largest offering ever, ever given in history. And look at how it's described here in 1 Chronicles 29, verse 3. It says, moreover, because I have set my affection on the house of my God. If, if David had a Twitter account, he would have posted this with hashtag, I love my church. And then he would have put one of those, I love my church, um, yard signs in front of his palace. That's what he's talking about here. Moreover, because I have set my affection on the house of my God, 
I have given to the house of my God over and above all that I have prepared for the holy house. Verse 5, who then is willing to consecrate himself this day to the Lord? It's a good question, right? Verse 6, and the leaders of the families, the officers of the tribes of Israel, the commanders of thousands and the commanders of hundreds and the officials in charge of the king's work gave willingly. In other words, not because they had to, but because they wanted to. Verse 7, they gave toward the work of the temple of God. Verse 9, the people rejoiced at the willing response of their leaders, for they had given freely and wholeheartedly to the Lord. David, the king, also rejoiced greatly. And then look at how David um, responds to all of this in verse 17. All of these things I have given willingly and with honest intent. And now I have seen with joy how willingly your people who are here have given to you. You know, that's, that's how I want our church to be. I want us to be a church of people who love to give to the teachers and staff of our schools. I want us to be a people who love to come alongside of businesses and just surprisingly bless them. I want us to be a, a people who love to step in in times of need and meet and meet the needs that people have. I want, I, I want us to be a people who love to invest in the next generation and sending them to camps and missions trips and whether it's buying buses or vans. I want us to be a, a, a people who actually love the next generation. I want us to be a people who love to really plant churches really all over this Austin area. And the reason why this is so important is because this is what God is looking for. Look at this in 2 Corinthians 8, verse 12. It says, For if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable to God. And so the question becomes, well, then how do we get that kind of heart? Where does that passion come? Where does that motivation come from to actually be a people who want to leave a legacy, to not just consume everything for ourselves, but to pass something on to the next generation? Where does that willingness come from? When you think about it, I think the passion comes from when we clearly define the why. It's the why that motivates really everything in life. I want you to think about it this way, because if you're married and you forget the why you married your spouse, if you forget the why you love your spouse, then what will happen? You start looking around, right? Everybody that kind of goes across your path, you, you, your, your attention's divided, right? Because you've forgotten the why you're married. If, if you're changing your, your eating habits and you forget the why you're doing that, then someone brings a bunch of dozens of donuts into your office place, you'll end up reverting to your old habit, and you'll eat a dozen of those donuts just by yourself, right? If you forget the why, you're changing your eating habits. If you change your spending habits and you actually create a budget, but you forget the why, but you then open up your email, and there, right there, is an advertisement for the latest, greatest gadgets of phones and watches and... And if you forget the why you're, you have a budget and why you're changing your spending habits, you'll just do what you've always done. You'll insert your credit card information so you can get that buzz of immediate gratification of buying that thing right on the spot, right? It's just, we fall back into that. You've got to know the whys. Why don't you write this down if you've taken notes? When I lose my why, I'll lose my way. When I lose my why, 
I'll lose my way. And the reality is that some of you have lost your way because you've lost your why. For some of you, your marriage is in trouble because you've lost the why you've married your spouse in the first place. Some of you are not enjoying your job and you're becoming so disillusioned with your job because you've forgotten why you went into that occupation or that job in the first place. Some of you, your relationship with the Lord has become ho-hum because you've forgotten the why you made a decision to follow Jesus in the first place and you've forgotten what he's already done for you. Listen, folks, the whys are absolutely imperative in every aspect of our life. And so this morning I want to talk to you about this why that we need to be people of legacy. Why should I give? Why should I be a giver, not a taker? Why should I be an investor, not a consumer? Well, number one, we get to give because... Jesus gave to us first. We get to give because Jesus gave to us first. In Matthew 10, verse 8, it says, Freely you have received, freely give. The message says it this way. You have been treated generously, so live generously. In other words, when your eyes are opened up to the revelation of all that God has given you, then it becomes easy to be generous. It becomes easy to give because you realize how much you have been given to. Robert Harris, who is an English novelist, he, he says it this way. He says, if one first give himself to the Lord, all other giving is easy. I always think about that when we, when we give our tithes and our offerings. It becomes easy to give when you recognize your, all, everything is about being a steward. The guy's the one who gave it to you in the first place. And when you recognize that, then it's just easy just to get, because it's not mine in the first place. Here's number two. We get to give because it's more blessed to give than to receive. Specifically, that's what the Bible says in Acts 20, verse 35. It's more blessed to give than to receive. That word blessed in the original Greek language is the word makarios, which means giddy, <laughs> happy fired up about it. And so if you want to be giddy, if you want to be happy, if you want to be fired up about something, be a giver. Give. Be generous with your life. The message says it this way. You'll not likely go wrong here if you keep remembering that our master said you're far happier giving than getting. I love how Winston Churchill describes this idea. He, he said it this way. He said, we make a living by what we get we make a life by what we give. How many of you have experienced that before? Can I just see your hands? You make a living by what you get, but you make a life by what you give. And so here's the thing. If you don't like how your life is going right now, if you don't like what's going on in your life, find channels of generosity. That's what these acts of kindness cards are just such a great kind of stir of that. Simple things. You know, just simple things, you know, so, so just paying, instead of just paying my, my own coffee bill, I'll pay another five bucks to pay for somebody else. Just simple acts of kind of to stir that up inside of me to live, not just for myself and not just to consume it on myself, but actually to be a generous person. And then when you do that, watch how much happy you are. Watch how happiness, joy enters your life. Here's number three. We get to give because I'm in covenant with God and with you. We get to give because I'm in covenant with God and with you. Here's the thing that's so important for us to understand, and that is that God has a plan for this earth. He has a plan, and his way of doing it is to gather people together relationally. 
And so his design is that we get close enough to each other so that we can do more together than we could ever do apart. And so that means God's desire is for you to grow close to others. Let, let me be very point, pointed to you. God wants you to get close to other people. It's his desire for all of us, but it is his call for you to get, to get close to other believers, which is the reason why the devil attacks your relationships so relentlessly. Because here's the thing. If the devil can get you separated, if he can get you isolated, if he can get you alone, if he can get you from hopping from one group of people to another group of people to another group of people without really committing here, if he can get you so consumed about yourself, then your life will never be effective. He's one when he disconnects you then from others. Your full potential can only be realized when you find your covenant family. It's when we connect this way that so much of what God has called you to begins to take place. And so that's why we have to find our covenant community. When, when Pastor Ross asked, Courtney and I had to come out here and, and to lead this church in, in Spice where there were so many people that said, what in the world? Why, why would you want to do that? Where is Spicewood, Texas anyway? But I have to tell you something. We did this willingly. We did it because we love being in the family with you. Courtney and I desperately love you, and we want to live our lives with you, and we want you to live our, your lives with us. You're our family. We're in covenant with God and with you. And listen, folks, you need that too. That's, that's not just something for Courtney and myself. That's for every single one. You need to find your covenant family and commit to it because so much of your potential is realized when that takes place. Psalms 92 verse 13, it says it this way. Those who are, what's the word? Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall what? Shall flourish in the courts of our God. Now, notice the verbiage here. It doesn't say those who just pass through or those who just attend or those who just visit. What's it say? Those who are what? Planted. And when we plant ourselves this way, then what happens? Our lives flourish. Listen, that's not just a general statement. That's for you and for me. And the reality is that you have something that you only realize when you connect with other believers. Ecclesiastes 4 verse 9 describes it this way. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. And so when you, when you put your skill sets, when you put your abilities, when you put your talents, when you, when you bring your resources and bring that together with other believers, something powerful happens. In other words, none of us are as good as all of us. That's how God created us, which leads me then to the fourth point, and that is we get to give because I really believe in the vision of the local church. I, re I really do. I really believe in the vision that God created for the local church. I believe that, that God called the local church to make a difference in our communities. Ephesians 3 verse 10 says, Through Christians like yourselves gathered in churches, this extraordinary plan of God is becoming known and talked about even among the angels. And statistically, you can see this all over the world. I don't know if you know this, but 80% of the hurricane relief that came for Hurricane Harvey victims came through Christians. 80%. 65% of hospitals built in poverty-stricken areas all over the world came there through Christians. Those hospitals were put there by 
Christians. Listen, folks, the, you take the local church out of this world and there's chaos. I really believe it's true that the local church is the hope of the world, that God's call in the local church is to make an impact, to make a difference in our communities. And as a church, as a local church, that's what we're called to do. This is why we do the things we do. This is why we just spent tens of thousands of dollars just to bless our teachers. We could never do, well, most of us probably could never do this by ourselves, but together we can do it. Doing a makeover of a little business, I would challenge you to do that by yourself. You'd have to hire somebody because there was a, a mass of people that did that. So much happens when the local church rallies together to make a difference, and we don't just do things for ourselves. And then here's number five, and I think this is probably the most important one, and that is we get to give because one day we want to hear Jesus say, well done. We want to be able to hear Jesus say, well done. And I think this is the most important why of all. Because I think Jesus wants to be able to look at you and say, you did it. You did it. Floyd Clearman, you did it. Georgia, you did it. Chris, you did it. Marilyn, you did it. Travis, you did it. I think God wants to be able to say, Jesus wants to be able to look at you and say, you did it. I'm proud of you. You did what I asked you to do. I put these resources in your hands. I put these relationships in your hands. I gave you these abilities. I gave you these skills. I gave you these talents. And you did something for eternity with those things. You didn't just consume them for yourself. See, the Bible says that one day Jesus is going to come in the clouds and meet us, and when he does it, he's bringing his rewards. Matthew chapter 16, verse 27 says, For the Son of Man will come in glory of his Father with his angels, and then he will reward each according to his works. That word reward in the original Greek language is the word apodidomai, which means to pay back. Think about that. Jesus wants to pay you back. I don't know how that makes you feel. But I, I look at that and I think, no. No, Jesus, why, why would you want to pay me back? You, you did all this for me. Why, why, why would, <laughs> there's nothing that you need to pay me back for. But yet Jesus, he says, no, no, I want to thank you. I want to thank you for investing your life. I want to thank you for serving my people and serving this world. I want to thank you for giving what you had. I want to thank you for being faithful. This is what Jesus wants to do in Matthew 25, verse 23. It says, his master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things, and I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Listen, folks, if you don't know the why, if you forget the why, you'll give up. You'll give up. And some of you, that may be how you feel right now. That may be exactly how you feel. You're tired and you feel like just giving up because you've lost the why. You've forgotten the why. And if you forget the why, not only you give up, you'll slip back into just a selfish, self-centered way of living. But I'm telling you something. When you know the why, it changes everything and it'll keep you going. Because you know the why. And one day, one day, your name is going to be called. 
And you're going to be able to stand before Jesus. And I want to prepare you for that moment. Because every single one of us will have that moment. I want to prepare you for that. Because there's so much more to this life than this life. And I, I get it. There's so much of life that just presses in on you. And all you can do is barely get up the next day and just go through the motions of it again. I get it. But I want to remind you, everybody, there's so much more to this life than this life. You are not a human being who's trying to have these temporary spiritual experiences. You are a spiritual being. And this is simply a temporary human experience that you're having. And it goes by just like that. Right? It goes by just like that. And so what are we living for? I want you to close your eyes, if you would, please. Because as I was praying for you here today, I'm praying for our time. I felt like there were people here today that were feeling like they were wanting to just to give up. They're giving up. They wanted to give up on their marriage. They wanted to give up on their job. They wanted to give up even on life. And maybe that's you here today. Maybe, maybe you're overwhelmed with what's going on. And, you, and even as we've been talking about this, you realize and you've forgotten the why. And you've just been going through the motions of this. I don't, want you to think, I don't want you to think about anybody else. I just want you to think about yourself right here in this moment because I think God has been speaking to you. And there's something that God wants to shift even with you right here in this moment because he wants to input inside of you a why that's bigger than this moment, a why that's bigger than the situation that you're encountering, a why that's bigger than what's happening around you, what you can just see with your own eyes. He wants to put something inside of you that's a bigger story. There's a bigger story that's happening all around you. And he wants to open your eyes and to remind you of the purpose that he created you for. The purpose, the intent of your life. And it's not done yet. Not only is God not finished with you yet, but your purpose is not finished yet. And God wants to re-put inside of you a foundation that no matter what happens, that you'll be unshakable. Not that there's shaking that happens, but just as that psalm that we read earlier, that you'll be unshakable. That in the midst you'll be able to stand because you know the bigger picture. You know the bigger story of what's happening. And so maybe this morning, maybe there's someone here today that you've never really given your life to Jesus. Talk about the most important question. Because for every single one of us, we have to give an account one day. And we'll have to give an account to God of what did we do with Jesus? And what did we do with what he put in our hands? And so maybe here today, maybe you've known about God. Maybe you've known about Jesus, but you've never really personally made a commitment to it, a covenant commitment to Jesus. Maybe you've just kind of gone through the motions of things. You've gone to churches and periodically, but maybe you've never really committed your life to him. I'm telling you something. You can do it right here. 
whether it's your first time or the first time in a long time, you can, you can run to him and start this amazing journey that he has for your life. There's purpose still to your life, whether you're 90 years old or you're nine years old. There's purpose. And he wants to show that to you. The Bible describes that if we'll just confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, that we will be saved. For all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And so if you've never done that, or, or if you find yourself just really kind of falling away and doing your own thing, you can do that right here in this moment. We're going to take communion together in just a little bit, and you can do that kind of as your act of coming home, making a decision to really follow Jesus. Some of you, you've made that decision to follow Jesus, but you've lost the why in other areas of your life, and you've just been kind of going through the motions of stuff. You've just been kind of going through things and without purpose, and, and truth be told, you're feeling tired, worn out, maybe even exhausted, maybe even done, and you feel like you, feel like you just want to quit. You want to give up. But I'm telling you, God wants to put a new purpose, a new life. And he wants to insert that why inside of you that goes beyond this moment of what you're experiencing so that you can see a larger picture, the larger story of what's happening. And so, Father, I pray for every person here in this room who just feels like giving up, who's just tired, frustrated, purposeless, maybe just ho-hum, just kind of mm, the blahs. That God, right even here in this moment, that you would begin to stir that bit of eternity that you placed in every one of our hearts. That you begin to stir that to cause us to see things from a bigger perspective. To cause us to see things from a larger view of what's going on and that God, that you would put inside of every one of our hearts purpose for this season, direction for this season, boldness, courage, strength, energy for this season so that we can finish the race, whether it's another 90 years from today, whether it's another nine years from today, another nine minutes from today, that we would finish this race well, that we would be able to stand before you, and you'd be able to say, you did it. You did it. I'm so proud of you. You did what I asked you to do, that every single one of us would be able to stand that way before you. We're going to take communion here together as the worship team leads us. And the Bible describes that as often as we gather together, we're to do this in remembrance of him. And, and so we have two tables set in front here on, for both of the sections here. And how we'll do this is we'll start with the front row. You'll exit on your right. You circle around, get a piece of bread, dip it in the juice, and just circle around to the side. We'll go one row by row, one way down. And we, we do this, what we call open communion, which means you don't have to be a member of this church. This is something that we believe that Jesus sets. And, and if you've made a decision to follow Jesus, this is a great thing just to remember why you're doing what you're doing and to re-surrender your life to him. So if you would stand to your feet, let's do this here together.
So, Father, we pray corporately and individually, Lord, that that would be our life theme. Lord, that we would be people of legacy, people that are givers, who are generous, that, Lord, that we would not just consume for ourselves, and, Lord, that you would just stir in our hearts a different way. God, I know there's so much about this life that makes it so self-centered, so about us. And so, God, would you do that in us? Would your spirit of wisdom and revelation just stir us out of that kind of all-consuming thing, that kind of taking mentality, or that we would be able to live our lives as a blessing to us, as you have blessed us, that we then in turn would be a blessing to others. Our prayer team is going to be down front here, and let me just tell you something. I believe in the power of prayer. Okay, I probably need to quantify and qualify that just a little bit, because I think so often prayers can simply be this kind of, hmm, that's not how these people pray, because I believe that prayer are things that release and hold back. And so if there's some things that need to be released for you, really from the throne of God, there's some things that need to be kind of stopped. These men and women are here to stand and to believe and declare that over your life. They'll hang out around here. Also, it's 1055, so at 11 o'clock, we'll start the five-minute party. And so if you're new, if this is your first time here, if you are kind of been testing this thing out, you want a little, little bit more about who we are as a church, take your, your card up there and we'll make sure there's some little kind of drinks and um, little hors d'oeuvres and things like that. And we'll just kind of hang out and I'll be there at 11 o'clock for a five-minute party. We just take five minutes. If you have children, just keep them up there. Um, and the uh, child care people, they'll take care of your kids while we do the five-minute party. Why don't you do something for me? Grab a hold of the person's hand beside you. You may not know this. It may be very uncomfortable for you. But I want you to just grab a hold. I want you to feel flesh and blood and not just come and then leave to a service. There's something about coming together that really ignites some things. And so I'm going to just speak a blessing over you. But as I do that, would you be speaking that over the people on your left and your right? Would you just speak that over the people in front of you and behind you? Would you do it? Let's do it here together. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and now give you peace. Go in peace, everybody. God bless you. Have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday, Falltober, everybody. It's going to be a great week. See you next week.